Hello, and welcome to Lit by Moonlight, where it's not a phase to go into mole mode after an authoritarian regime takes over your country. Sometimes you just gotta mole. <laughs> you gotta go into mole mode. Uh, this week, we're talking all things Rune and Rising by Lee Bardugo. Woohoo! We're finishing out the trilogy, baby! It's funny that, so I said mole mode, so this is funny, this is an inside joke between me and some friends from college, but mm -hmm. back in the day, I don't really remember the context of the conversation, I think we were just talking about like burrowing under the city and like going underground yep. during like a particularly fun weekend adventure, and I was like, let's go into mole mode, and that just kind of stuck. I so like it. whenever I'm gonna, going through it, I'm like, I'm going into mole mode, I'm gonna go <laughs> underground, I'm gonna burrow for a little while, and y'all won't see me for a couple days. Mole yeah. mode. Mole mode. Adapt it. Mole I like mode. it. So who are you? I'm Caitlin, and uh, today I went to Barnes & Noble and I bought a book um, to add to my uh, TBR pile that I will not be touching <laughs> for the longest time. <laughs> what book did you buy? I bought Kiss of Deception by Mary E. Pearson. Oh, Mary E. Pearson. Finally going to get into that her. Remnant Chronicle universe, baby. <laughs> is that what that is? Is that the first book yeah. in that series? Oh, that's so perfect somewhere. for today because we're talking about another series. We in the are. Realm. Yeah. Wow. I thought uh, I owe it to her to actually read those books, considering she was so nice to us. She's a wonderful person. Shout she out is. to Mary E. Pearson. You're a real one. Yes. And also shout out to Lee Berdugo, who we recently met. We at did, yeah. At an event in DC. Mm -hmm. She's so lovely and cool and interesting, and I want to be her. I love her. She's great. <laughs> so <laughs> big fan. Big fan. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Emberlyn, and I am, I am in my scrambled egg era. I'm excited for you. I am too. I finally learned how to cook scrambled eggs so they're not disgusting and that mm -hmm. you don't get sick of them. Because you ever have a phase when you're like, actually, like, you go through a phase where you're like, oh, scrambled eggs, yummy, yummy. And then you're like, yeah. actually, scrambled eggs are the bane of my existence and they're disgusting. And if I look at one, I'll vomit. Yeah, I'm in the latter um, era, so... Ooh, I found a way out of that, um, oh. so I don't know where. Vishwas taught me this great scrambled egg recipe that has changed my life and the way I think about the world. Do share. So, I'll well be sharing. I'll drop it in the. <laughs> okay. I'll drop it in the. It's all about slow cooking your eggs, slow cooking your chicks. You know. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Caitlin, <laughs> tell us a little bit about Ruin and Rising. Um, how does this book begin? In the final book of Shadow and Bone, uh, the Ravkin throne belongs to the Darkling once and for all. Sun Summoner Alina Starkov and her friends have retreated to the underground city of the Skeevy Apparat, a religious character yeah. that has sanctified Alina as her power has weakened. Despite this weakness, Alina's psychic connection to the Darkling remains intact. This dude. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> like... guy. Oh, how I missed my favorite freak, the Apparat. <laughs> Um, Corpse this guy, guy is so, yeah, so, so skeevy and odd. Like, ah. I wish I'd asked, when we met Lee, we had, there was a Q&A portion of the event. I wish we had asked her where, like, who her inspiration was for the Apparat yeah. or, like, why she chose to conclude, include him in the, in the Grishaverse because uh -huh. he is just an odd, odd fellow, as he, we discussed previously on he, the show. Every time he's on the page, he makes my skin crawl, I, which I think we said in the first in our first review of uh, Shadow and Bone. But well, every time he speaks, and like, if you listen to the audiobook, the way the narrator talks for him, it just makes you go, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> like stop it. <laughs> he provokes. He provokes. He just provokes something in me. I can't even describe the fear he makes me feel. I'm just unwell when I think about him. Yup, 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 yup. So what happens after that? Uh, so Alina and her friends, including her child best friend and lover, Mal, must work to escape the apparat. Gross. Uh, return to the surface, find their allies, and find Mortzova's final amplifier, the Firebird. In other words, they've got a lot going on. So another question I might have had for Lee is if anxiety medication exists in the Grisha verse. Yeah. <laughs> she if so, it. I think someone might consider prescribing it to Miss Tarkov. Yeah. I just feel like, I think we talked about this before for mm -hmm. maybe a uh, season storm, but like, how do you not have a panic attack when yeah. 
all of this is at stake. Like, there's so much that's going on in her life. I think I would have a panic attack just finding out that I have Grisha powers that have been dormant yeah. my entire life. I'd be like, what is going on? <laughs> like, I have a panic attack when I leave my house. Like, I'm yeah. not, I could never. It couldn't be me. Could not be me. <laughs> I get a panic attack every time my computer tells me I have no storage, which happens often. So <laughs> <laughs> I have a panic attack when I open my eyes in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> just a constant state of worry. No! (laughs) (laughs) Not again! (laughs) To add to their plates, along the way, Alina faces many challenges and losses. Her trainer, Bagra, is killed by her own son, the Darkling. Her closest ally, Nikolai, is turned into a creature by the Darkling's power. The orphanage that she grew up in is overtaken by the Darkling and his soldiers. And worst of all, when Alina finds the final amplifier, she's heartbroken to realize that it is not, in fact, the Firebird, but it is her own heart and soul male. Ow. Woof. <laughs> Alina Starkov in the no good, very bad day. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like nothing's going right for her. Um, <laughs> she can't catch a break. I feel like I'm like, th- there's a lot of trauma that's like rising to the surface for me. Just like thinking about Is it about ruining all this you again. as well? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is it ruining you so the trauma is rising? <laughs> Maybe that's why it's called this. Or it could be. Because of what happens in the final couple of scenes of the book when someone is ruined and the other is rising. That's like really bad lead and I actually don't even know who I'm talking about. But, <laughs> uh, during the final match with the Darkling, Mal forces Alina to kill him and release his power as the amplifier. Her power is lost and redistributed to the non-magical Rodkin soldiers whilst Alina uses a Grisha dagger to kill the Darkling and destroy the fold of shadows that divides Ravka once and for all. Meanwhile, Nikolai is returned to his human form, Yay. and Alina's Grisha bring Mal back to life. All is well, and as we conclude a truly happy ending, the Lansoff throne is restored with some new additions to the court. Alina's enemy-turned-friend, big enemies-to-friends-to-lovers situation? Yeah. Uh, just saying, there could have been an opportunity for that, Lee. Uh, I agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag Zoya Lena, am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, so Zoya is in the core and Alina's friend turned enemy, turned friend again. <laughs> Jenya. Also, may I argue, Jenya Lena? Come on. I'm just saying. I kept thinking, when we have this conversation later, I'll dig into this more, but I'm glad you said this. <laughs> Jenya is also on the court. And the Sun Summoner symbol is... Ooh, say that five times fast. Sun Summoner symbol. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> so <what? laughs> I, know, I, know, I really gave you, like, a tongue twister when I wrote the description. You really did. The Sun Summoner symbol is sunsetted. <laughs> Setted. <laughs> with, with a fake death and funeral. Mal and Alina return to their hometown and restore the orphanage where they live happily ever after. All right, I'm rolling... Tell me what you thought of the world building of Ruin and Rising. I love how far we've come from Shadow and Bone. This is personally Mm -hmm. my favorite book of this trilogy, if not one of my favorite Lee Bardugo books overall. And I think it just brings Mm -hmm. so much to the table, including a very refined and improved writing style on Lee Bardugo's behalf. It's from this book onward that... I feel like I really see her creativity and talent as a writer take flight. Um, Yeah, completely agree. Because we've got two great duologies after this, and then her Ninth House series. And there is so much in this book that I feel like she does write that ties up a lot of the loose ends in the first two books and sets us up very nicely for those two duologies to follow, both of which are incredible i felt very tied to the world building in this book because of the first two yes but also because Mm -hmm. of what she leaves us with um so like the underground city concept is very cool the expansion of nikolai's character arc is very cool the twist at the end is very cool Mm -hmm. this book just does so much right in my mind and i consider it to be a very strong finish to the series yeah 100 percent agree what did you think? For me, it was I I was never really a big fantasy person growing up. Like I never read any of the like big fantasy series. Like I I didn't read Harry Potter for like the longest time. I just didn't care. Never read Game of Thrones, never read Lord of the Rings. And half of that was because the idea of having to learn 
history and lore of a world that didn't exist I was so unappealing to me like I'm like well it doesn't it's not real why do I need to why do I have to have a history I got enough going on (laughs) I'm nine (laughs) (laughs) I have no money and I'm very small (laughs) (laughs) um I I just I never cared for it like I always like to me I don't I never even gave it a chance which isn't fair but like younger me was always just like I I don't want to learn it I don't even like my own history (laughs) I don't even want to learn our history why do I need to learn one of a fake world you know and it just like I I'm always I was always more like interested in the story of the characters than I was the actual lore so when I had to learn all of these rules in order to enjoy the characters like I was just like that's too much work for me like I don't have time for that (laughs) you know but um now I've turned around I like the lore um I like learning stuff so that was honestly like when I was first reading this book was a huge factor of it to me that I was actually enjoying learning all about like Moritzova and how he created the amplifiers and uh his family and you know everything that happens with like the whole firebird situation like I thought that was so interesting and like I think what Libor Dugo does well is she takes like all like it 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 never felt like none of the twists felt forced where it's like like even like in Shadow and Bone when you find out that Bagra is the Darkling's mom I remember being like what (laughs) like it never felt like 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 oh my god no way it it never felt like oh I saw that coming you know um so I I just really liked that every piece of information that you learn it's never like it's never obvious but also builds upon each other and it all comes together in a really satisfying way I also like really liked learning more about each country and like that gets expanded more in some of the later books but like this world is so vivid to me again her imagery kind of hooks me in general as it is because I feel like if you plopped me in the world of the Grishaverse I could navigate it totally fine like I know where Fierda is I know where Kirch is Navizam Ravka like I, I know it inside and out um, and maybe it's because I was living there mentally for a while when I was first reading the books. Yeah. Uh, but I just feel like she creates such a vivid world with so much depth and it makes it all feel the more real. But it's not like you're you're it's not like someone's giving me like a fun fact sheet of like, oh, yeah. And what about like, here's fun things about this country. It's like, cool. I don't need to know that. It's no, I do need to know that. And it ties into the story that I need to know I don't know I just think it's all really well done and she got me interested in lore of fantasy so yeah I think she did the same for me because I'm not a big fantasy person and I just feel very sentimental about these books like they're some of the first books I started reading again when I got back into reading and even though I'm not like a big fantasy person I find myself just like really enjoying these and loving them like and wanting to read more fantasy because of them Mm -hmm. yeah this I I think this was a great series to use to get back into reading because that's what hooked me into yeah. reading. Uh, that's what that's why we have the podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, literally. Uh, like genuinely, like these books are why we're here today. And yeah. um, I, I just think it says a lot about how well they're written and how lovely they are that you can then expand into other series and be like oh well I love Shadow and Bone this seems similar to it I'll read that and I just think it's great yeah I think it's great too I have big feelings about these books (laughs) so was there a specific moment in this book that really hooked you Caitlin oh you already know it's Nikolai (laughs) listen yes I love him with my whole entire heart I don't think I've ever, like, I know he's the fan favorite, but I feel like it's, like, one of the first times I've read a book where I'm, like, I know everybody loves him, and I completely subscribe to it. Like, I not, like, the, I like someone different because I'm quirky like that, or, like, I'm going against the grain. But, like, usually (laughs) I feel like when I hear, like, oh, this character is a fan favorite, I feel like it's, it can be almost, like, 
don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like it's like almost like too predictable. Or like, oh, like yeah. of course, like he's written to be like, oh, he says all the funny lines, so like you kind of expect it to be, like him to say like all the snarky comments or whatever, and it's just like, oh, ha ha, okay, we get it. This is your role as your character. Yeah. But genuinely, I think he's hilarious. I think he's a great character. I think he has so much depth to him that you start yes. to scratch the surface of in like this book, but then um, you do get more of that later down the line. And I feel like having those other books that he does show up in makes me love him even more. So I rereading this, this time I'm just like, oh, he doesn't even know the journey he's going to go on. You know? yes. So yeah. his, his entrance into this story was so great and it was so him and so iconic like it made me audibly go yes when I was reading the book because I was like I was waiting for him to show up because you're not sure like did he escape the attack at the little palace in the last book like Alina doesn't even know if he's safe but there are rumors that he's been doing something but like are they believable like is he okay and um when he does re-enter the story uh alina and mal are basically held i think they're held at gunpoint by these other soldiers and mm-hmm. um you like you hear this voice be like oh yeah well i heard like Lantov has a whole army and they started like talking kind of back and forth but you don't know exactly who is talking uh, alina just says another soldier in the back so i just love the way that like nikolai starts off as like a random voice in the background like so you're not sure what's going mm-hmm. on yet but then he kind of yeah. like starts to talk about how great Nikolai is and the line is brave in battle sharp as a whip an excellent dancer oh and an even better shot and then the guy who had Alina and Mal at gunpoint was shot through the head basically like shot between the eyes and you're like oh shit like oh my god it's him and it just made everything better by Alina going impasse and Mal going don't even like don't say it (laughs) because it it, you know who it is you don't even need to be told like it's just so exciting because then like he's brought back into the game and he's just as iconic as ever and i just adore him i he was my hook too just i I agree with you he's just so cheeky and charming and he just brings like such a great energy to this book that i feel like was missing before he showed up um i feel like he really revitalizes the story in a way that's so oh lovely and enjoyable and especially if you read the next duology that nikolai is featured in you'll mm-hmm. come back to these moments and be like, oh my God, like this is where it all started and this is where it's yeah. going. It's really, really awesome to read about. Also, when we get Bagra's stare down with her son with the Darkling, it's <gasps> yeah. so, it just like really breaks me um, to like think about. I literally did not know how much I would care about her until yeah, she was isn't gone. That crazy? And I was like, oh. wait i liked her bring her back (laughs) (laughs) yeah so same here and then from there the book really takes off it moves very fast until like the very very end i feel like and Mm -hmm. the pacing of it is like really i feel like really exciting like you really stay connected to everything that's going on right i think lee does a really good job at like knowing when to bring certain people in like it yeah like like for nikolai he wasn't introduced too quick but he, right. I think it was, like, chapter six or chapter seven that he came back. It's, like, just enough in the beginning for you to be, like, you're already interested in the story, but then, bam, like, your favorite character is here, and then it just it just snowballs from there. It's great. Yes. Oh, a hundred yes. times yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have a favorite quote from Ruin and Rising? Yes. From the very end, um, when it's talking about Mal and Alina, uh, mm-hmm. they had an ordinary life full of ordinary things, if love can ever be called that which I just love because that's what it is like at the end of the day it's your cat curled up in a ball at the end of your bed and like a nine to five job that concludes with takeout with the person you love and like a nice hot bath it's just like ordinary and simple and there's no murder and death so (laughs) yeah I, I mean I just liked I like the simplicity of that line I like like I'm a big slice of life story girl so I like that line a lot Um, yeah how about you there was a lot of good ones but one that stuck out to me a lot is from david when he it's after jenya's whole like trial with the king and Mm. you know she's very upset and um david looks at her and says beauty was your armor fragile stuff i'll show but what's inside you that's steel it's brave and unbreakable and it doesn't need fixing and i love that so much because at this point like like 
David loves to fix things. Like he loves to invent new things. And Jenya just felt like, like in that moment, like, oh, I'm just like another thing for you to fix. And he's like, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. you're good. I just love you for who you are. And Jenya yeah. and David are, oh, they're so special to me because I love it when they're characters that like you never think like either of them would ever look at the other. Like even Alina in the first book, uh, when she can tell that Jenya has like a thing for the duress with the messy hair it's just like of all people like that's who she goes for and then mm-hmm. he he's not the best like he's he's not the best at articulating his feelings or understanding exactly what's going around him but what he does know is that he loves this woman with his yeah. entire heart and like i just think that's so special and they're so special to me <laughs> going yeah. forward and yes. i loved seeing their relationship really like start up in this book again and like revisiting that it just made my little heart happy because i just want nothing but the best for them and yeah. david to me is just so sweet and so yes. when he's it's not often that he says a lot of profound things but when he does they're usually about Jenya, and i think that's really sweet true I feel like I really didn't connect with David until they casted him and I was like for the Netflix show and I was like yeah oh, <laughs> oh hello hello sir <laughs> he's like, like I love it because uh, he's so he he very much has like that like little kind of like nerdy aspect that David has but he's also beautiful <laughs> oh, no. so, I'm like, like, oh, I'm supposed to be a nerd okay what? I was just like okay <laughs> get in line uh, but it was also like when he showed up, you immediately knew who it was. You're like, oh my God, it's David. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So Caitlin, what song would you listen to in your final battle with the Darkling? Um, to keep up my streak of being a Florence and the Machine stan first mm. and person yes. second. Um, <laughs> I said various storms and saints for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, but also because that song has such a good build-up and Mm -hmm. it to me it's almost like haunting in a way too Mm. and I like still genuinely get chills when I hear that song once the chorus finally hits so I just feel like if I ever saw like a battle like on screen set to that song like maybe a little bit in slow motion too and I think it's cool when like big battle scenes are put to songs that like you wouldn't necessarily pick like yeah. they're not like huge and orchestral and like you know like we're fighting a war it's yeah it's a sad slow song and people are fighting to it like i th- i feel yeah. like that evokes more emotion to me sometimes i mean it needs when it's used well um yeah so i just think that if i if there's ever to be like a war scene said to that song it would have to oh i think that'd be really cool <laughs> yes yes yeah. Ooh. What about you? Okay, somebody take notes. Um, also, Florence <laughs> just released. Um, I haven't seen the Yellow Jackets yet. I don't even know if no it's same. out yet. But um, she released a cover of No Doubts. Um, what is it? Just a girl. I'm just a girl. Yeah, it's so I'm good. Just a girl. <laughs> oh my god! Like this I, don't, woman I was just, like, oh. I don't watch Yellow Jackets, but like, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> I sure will now. Yeah, sure will now. Just for that one Florence song that you're just using for the promo. One yeah also the album cover just made me think like "Ooh, that looks good yeah um i know okay so (laughs) i just when i was doing my notes last night i was listening to my tears are becoming a sea by m83 um which has this great build up and climax it's not it's got like a couple lyrics but it's mostly just instrumental work and i just think it works so well especially with mal's death and everything else that happens um Another one that I was listening to is This Is A Life by Sunlux. And I feel like Sunlux is like a great mm-hmm. example of like of like a group that you could just kind of use that song, their songs over and over again. Yep, um, agree. But the lyrics are so fitting for Mal and Alina's end. It's also a male-female duet between, of all people, Mitski and David Byrne. Huh? Hello? Um, so it just works. Um, it's actually originally featured in Everything Everywhere All at Once where it works the best but like mm, i digress i, I still think it'd be cool to see it something like this um and it's what okay. i thought about when i heard the song first so what character from this book would you worship like a saint nikolai i feel like <laughs> we've touched on this already he just he's everything just to me 
yeah. in love with him. I want yep. him to marry me. Um, <laughs> I will be forwarding him my home address. Mm, as you should. Yeah. As you Same should. for you? 100% the same for me. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good characters in this book, obviously. Like, I love Jenya with my whole heart. Um, yeah. I love Alina. I think she's a great protagonist, but... I, I just feel like Nikolai is such an interesting character and yeah. I feel like it's almost unfair of me to say he's my favorite character in this book because I liked his duology so much yeah. and like I've just because you get so much more insight there but like revisiting this book and um, the Shadow and Bone trilogy it just made me like appreciate him more and like you kind of almost like see the layers that he has going on and it's just I think he's so interesting where right like he's he never really falters or he's always like um he's always got a snarky remark or something smart to say he's always he's always like ready but like when when he finally like doesn't have that advantage and like Alina even mentions like oh the first time I've seen him falter I'm like that's when you know there's something more going underneath and this has all been like exactly. a mask of sorts and it, that to me is always so interesting in characters when like on the surface they're one way but like you slowly yeah. learn deep down like that's not the full truth like there's it's a way it's the a lot more to unpack there so i just i just think he's a really cool character and i think it was a bold move of what happened to him in this story which we will yeah. talk about in a minute but yeah ah! yeah um, is there a character you would stick the initiative oh, yeah, and The Darkling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I know it's the obvious choice, but I just don't like the guy. I'm not a... Yeah, I'm he's not obnoxious. A, not a big fan. I know he's wearing all black, but the man is a walking red flag. Like, yeah. he Now, is, Ben Barnes. Uh, ben Barnes. Come to my house. Call me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. It's, it's so funny because, like, <laughs> like, reading the books, it's like, literally leave like i don't understand what your problem like what's your obsession especially like for me reading shadow and bone like starting off i was like oh my god am i gonna ship them and the second you find out like who he is and what he's doing to alina i'm like never mind (laughs) like i'm out i'm super good but i do think it's interesting in the series um i look at him and i'm like let's hear him out like like let like let him cook you know like let's just see what's what's going on um but but uh truly though he's he's a manipulator he's yeah not good he um he like what really gets me in this book is when he attacks karamson and he kills anakuya and he looks at Alina and it's like i believe she was the closest thing you had a mother correct like dick (laughs) rude rude and then you expect her to just like be with you i don't know like i yeah the entire time i'm like i'm like she's just not that interested in you yeah get over it she's just not that into you guy yeah yeah so i just i don't know it was just like every every more every little thing that he did i was just like you're just digging your own grave like how could she want to be with you anyway and you're not helping yourself you're not redeeming yourself in any way you're making this worse for you and i just everything you do makes me hate you more so great villain Mm -hmm. don't like him and it's obvious he doesn't care if she wants to be with him or not like she's i think he's past the point of wanting it to be her choice um and, like, that's what makes him all the more volatile in this book. Like, I remember that scene where he kills Alina's, like, the, where he goes, where he kills people at the orphanage. Like, it yeah, hurt me. Yeah. Badly. <laughs> like, if there's um, any other choice, chance of redemption, I'm like, you lost it. <laughs> you lost it. And I feel yeah. like for him, he's just like, oh, Alina, you'll eventually see. Like, we're going to live a long life together. Like, you'll get over yeah. it eventually. You'll, you'll yeah. forget. <laughs> for real. I think I have to second your hatred of the darkling i feel like he is just mm-hmm. a lot like i mean i think he's just a it's lot. so funny because it's like that's the point but also it's like yeah. oh, he really does suck and then the, yeah. another thing is like the opera in this book just like drove me nuts like at the very beginning yeah. mm-hmm. um because he's just like such a tedious barrier to everything that alina needs to go through in order yeah. to find um the firebird and he's just like oh my 
he's just every time he'd show up i'd be like this guy again <laughs> this guy i just want to go like shake him <laughs> you know? yeah like get out of my book please <laughs> you know yeah oh, especially since like he's just like another person who's using alina for his benefit you know? yeah exactly exactly like it's like all these dudes got together and were like how can we use this lady to our benefit in a national women's week i know for that matter <laughs> how hello on the on af- just after national women's day we had to be re- we had to revisit this like that's a crime i feel like all right so moving on to our two peaks in the valley for this book what was your first peak so I would say that the twist in this book really razzles my dazzles. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're, so this is something you talk about in your notes as well, that it is completely unexpected and yet consistently hinted at throughout the series Yep. that Mal is the third amplifier. And you just never notice. I feel like I'd like to meet someone who was like, oh yeah, I noticed all along. And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't no you didn't you're lying because it's just it's one of those i feel like it's one of the best concealed twists like maybe there's something up maybe you can speculate that there's something magical about mal because of his tracking abilities but i don't think there was ever a point when i was like this guy's the empire because you're so because one because one exists and you're so like focused on the firebird that that's Mm -hmm. what you'd expect to be what comes next and i just i remember reading this part and just breaking into tears and I can't remember exactly where things went from there, but I either A, had to pause because I was so broken over this, or B, I kept reading because I had to know yeah. how they resolved this. And I think it was probably the latter, but it's just such an emotional part of the book and so unexpected that I feel like it causes you to just like go, oh my God, I start crying. At least that's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah, I, I started crying. Um, So that was one of my peaks as well, is the right. twist. And I think what I really like about it is that any hit so when i first read shadow and bone one of my first thoughts and was that oh maybe maybe he might have a power too because mm-hmm. she does use her power the first time as she's holding onto his hand like yeah. as she's trying to save him so like i thought about that as like oh maybe they have some sort of connection but then right. didn't think too much on it later because then nothing else was that was never mentioned again. And a lot right. of it, why I think it works is because it's all coincidence. Totally. And there's so many things and it's it's not even like um like, oh yeah, we'll just throw that in there to cover up our tracks, you know, like it's it's yeah. like everything else could have been explained. Like they found like Alina mentions in this book, like oh, we found the stag right after we first kissed. And, like, I thought, like, when I felt this power, um, I thought it was just because the stag was nearby, like, not because mm-hmm. he was touching me. And, like, everything right. could be explained. It's like when you're trying to figure out if ghosts are real. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, like, was it a ghost or was there just a slight breeze in the house? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just felt like it was so well done. And because, like, like yeah, he's a good tracker. And, like, mm-hmm. kind of insanely good to where it's, like, oh, maybe he has some sort of power in that. Because it's, like, kind of wild how good of a tracker he is. Right. But never that he was the third amplifier and that that no. was why. Like, oh, God, no. never yeah. even crossed my mind. Especially since you find out that the firebird exists. So, like, the stag exists. The sea whip exists. The, they see mm-hmm. the firebird. And the firebird is just, like, chilling. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, he's I'm just trying to eat bird. some food. And, yeah, yeah. (laughs) and meanwhile, like, you know, Alina or Mel, like, saves Alina and grabs her wrist, and that's when they feel it. I thought that was so Mm -hmm. well done, and just, like, the dread that comes afterwards where, like, Mm. because this entire book, you're like, you gotta kill the Firebird so you have the Amplifier so that we can defeat the Darkling, but now the Amplifier is her best friend and the person that she loves but mm-hmm. we still have to defeat the darkling so yeah like there's no way out of it sometimes you, you're just gonna kill your best friend for yeah. the sake of the greater good sometimes they gotta you know yeah what you gonna do i mean that's our plans for this weekend so yes thank you finally <laughs> yay i'm done i'm throwing in the towel thank you what was your second peak the love scene in this book I think it's one of my favorites ever in like a fantasy novel or just any book, Um, especially like a young adult book, because I've been reading a lot of fantasy books lately, including some some (laughs) very, very sex positive ones. 
Yeah. Toe curling, um, if you will. Yeah. I'm okay, so I'm currently in what a coworker of mine recently called the SJM Encyclopedia of Fantasy. <laughs> and there's some pretty dirty, smutty stuff going on over there, and that's all fine and good. I would have known. But it does get to the point where sometimes I feel like that dirty, smutty stuff is overtaking the whole narrative. Um, yeah. And Your I'm breasts like are tightening a, too much. The breasts did tighten <laughs> quite a lot in this series. Um, oh, no. And I'm like a super emotional, like passionate like person. And I feel like I need to have a lot of sentiment and meaning mm-hmm. in when I read scenes that are intimate. Um, and I really love that this scene delivered because it's very subtle and gentle and there's like kindness and softness and this sense that these two people who love each other very much may never see each other again after this night um and I cried like I think in that moment I was thinking about my own partner and like what would it be like if we never saw each other again and I really felt like having that perspective like really made me feel emotional reading this I think another great scene, great reason why I like that scene is like it's detailed in a way where you know what's going on, but you yeah. don't need the step by step process. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I <laughs> yeah, thought it I was, do. I thought it was very sure like do. delicately written, but not in a yeah. way where it's just like. And then we did the do, if you know what I mean. Like, like oh yeah, not like, like not like it's like not so subtle that it's like oh. <laughs> oh panning over to the curtains <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the curtains blowing in the wind <laughs> or like the wind. but it was it was beautiful and yeah. it was lovely and it made me tear up and I just Gosh. felt like it was just so well done and yeah at this point like you're like of course they're doing this because he's gonna die and this is the last night they probably have to get there. Yeah. And yeah. so, and and it, it it is all out of love. And that's like beautiful and wonderful. And I just thought it was the best sex scene I've ever read. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Did you have, what was your next peak? My next peak, as horrible as it was, when Nikolai gets attacked by the Darkling's powers and he becomes one of those monsters... Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a brilliant scene. A lot of it because of um, how it made me like it. Ha- it gave me a visceral reaction <laughs> to uh. what was happening on the page, and it was because like at the point that I was reading it, it had been a while since I've been able to like read consistently and really get into a book. It right. was so nice to have like to be reading something that made me like go no oh my yeah. god like yeah. I, it doesn't happen super often mm-hmm. and I, I i read this right before work and oh I yeah remember, oh god, I I was, yeah um i was at another friend's house and it was right before work and i was like i'm gonna read my book with my coffee before i have to leave and it's gonna be a great morning and then that's what i read was my favorite character who, at the time i thought dying and i was like no, they oh. killed Nikolai. We're halfway through the book. Oh my god, I'm crying. Yeah. <laughs> a friend comes home because she works a night shift, and she's like, "Are you good?" And I'm like, "They just killed my favorite character. No. I don't know what to do." And now I have to go work a 12-hour shift. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And it, like, I thought about it all day. I was like, I can't uh. believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. And I was like. I didn't even want to read the book at work because I was like, no, because probably more bad stuff is going to happen. And how am yeah, I supposed to explain this to my coworkers? Like, right. uh, it was, it was so, it was just nice to get that reaction. Um, yeah. And I love it when any nice sort of media something. can do that. Yeah. It is. It is. Like I read so to fair. feel things. Yeah. And I love it when like a show or a movie or a book can like bring that out of me. Um, it, I mean, it happens a lot. I, I, I'm known to cry at everything. I'm a Pisces. And it's also just who I am. I just get really emotionally attached to everything. <laughs> but to, I feel like reading, um, it's almost harder for that to happen because uh, I am more of a visual person. So unless it's like a really good book and I can really like get it all in my head and like mm-hmm. um, feel really attached to the characters, um, that's when it can happen. And this, like Lee Bardugo does it to me all the time. Mm. And this was no different. And then I just think it was a really bold move to take out one of your biggest most popular characters like that and like now at the end he does 
he lives of course and right. he um but there's some side effects and that to yes. me is what's really interesting and to see that it's not all gone and to have that be established at the end of ruin and rising for yeah. and they believe it is in this at the end of this book they call him the king of scars and i was like ooh that rings <laughs> like, yeah that's a good one um, it'd be a good title for a book <laughs> it really would be um i hope she takes us up on that um advice yeah. yes. uh but i just thought it was really it was really cool and i'm i'm glad that and i i do think it was cool that he kept showing up like you could tell that there was still he was still him despite yeah. being that monster and the way he, he was, was like just following it. them and then alina yeah. tries to save him at one point and so it wasn't like immediate dread that I mean, it was at first for me when I read it because I was like, oh, my God, he's dead (laughs) uh, and gone forever. But then, like, he keeps popping back up and Alina is like, I know it's him and I know he's fighting it. And, like, so there was that constant hope throughout it that, like, maybe he'll be okay, but still at the same time the dread because nothing seems to be working. Exactly. He's not there anymore to, like, give those fun, quippy lines or be, like, the... (sighs) hope that he kind of has been at this point because he was always like there's a point after the that battle where they're escaping and they're like adrix lost his arm they're all tired they've lost a couple people they've just watched this other guy who betrayed them get ripped apart and they're all tired (laughs) but they have to get away and like everyone is miserable and been a rough couple days yeah again if they could have like grisha anxiety medication they all need it they all need something they all need sleep they need a break and i just know that if nikolai was there the energy in the room would be different and but they lost the person who was usually the most optimistic and the one to make you laugh and it's just heartbreaking and i loved it i thought it was a great scene i think lee is so so good at fairy tale like she takes someone who's a prince and turns him into a beast and it's like it has no resemblance to like beauty and the beast the classic fairy tale but at the same time it's mm-hmm. its own thing that's very it's unique and like yeah interesting and you, you want to keep reading because of just i feel like the 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 whimsy of it all the whimsy you know <laughs> yeah. so yeah. i'm with you there my first valley um mm. it's funny it's so funny it's really funny because I just like spent so much time giving praise to these moments in the book that I think are centered around Mal. But I think but. that Mal will always kind of be the weak point of these books yeah. for me simply because his character is pr- like in my, from my perspective, very inconsistently written. Like, He's so much more tolerable in the final book, and there are things that he says that make me very emotional, um, and why I'm just like, oh, poor baby, you know? But I don't fully understand how we got from point A, where he barely notices her, to point B, where he's like a raging dick to her, to point C, where he's so much more accommodating. I feel like there's some linearity there, but we don't fully see the establishing actions that create that dynamic. So I found myself being confused from time to time because I felt like I wasn't really seeing their relationship developing. Um, I was mm. just seeing him change, but I wasn't seeing him learn. I was just seeing him change. Yeah. Um, and there's like a Almost difference Almost for the there. sake of the plot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, got, I also get this sense that he never like fully accepts who she is when she is the sun summoner, even though he sees yeah. her, even though he acknowledges yeah. her. For most of this trilogy, I get the sense that Alina someone who already really struggles with her self-esteem and confidence um, mm-hmm. is, is always making herself smaller for this guy. And that drives me bingo boingo wacko. Yeah. Um, like, I just can't ever be Team Mal. I think I'll always be, like, Team Alina girl boss because of that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's funny because you were like, oh, Team, like, what, why did they put her, pair her with, like, um, Zoya or um, with, Genia. Um, with Genia? And it's funny because, like, I thought that part of me was like, oh, well, maybe she's, like, straight. I don't want to, like, push her with them. But, like, Mm -hmm. yes, I fucking do. So, like, like, because I feel like, and I mean, like, this is just, uh, well, we could have had. Anyway, um, I I still loved the ending and I'm still, I still walked away from the book like, cool, 
And then and I'll be looking forward to all right. of the young writers who take inspiration from this book to write amazing queer yeah. fantasy love stories. So mm-hmm. I'm happy in that sense. How about you? Kind of along those same lines. I think that sometimes love triangles don't need to be included in yeah. your fantasy books. I, I mean, we all know from our Shadow and Bone review, and I think I touched on it in Siege and Storm, I, I ship Melina. Like, big fan. Big fan. But also the boy has flaws you know and um I think like reading it a second time through I was very much like no I mean does she need to be with someone like um I feel like every man in this person's in this woman's life is like you should be with me because it would be a good idea for beneficial for me beneficial for the country beneficial for grisha beneficial for life you know (laughs) like it was never like i mean there was a point i think in this in this book if i remember correctly where she's like well what about what i want and i was like girl exactly what do you want like what do you want to do do? but i think uh there was always that idea that she felt like well i don't want to upset this person or like i feel like i should be with this person because of xyz like i personally never shipped her with nikolai because Mm -hmm. that felt too like transactional i don't know if that's like the right word but like he was he wanted her for the for the good of ravka like yeah he in this book he gives her the lancelot ring and it's like I'll make you my queen. It'll be great to have a Grisha on the right. throne and it'll be really good for our country. And if, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yeah. But like, why, why should she, why should that become her life if it's right. not what she wants? Like, no offense, but screw the country at that point. Like, that's yeah. not fair. She right. get, her life gets taken away because she, has some duty to fulfill like no right and i i never i never liked that and i never like i never shipped her with nikolai because of those reasons of like like i love him to death but i just felt like he never had her best intention intentions um in his heart it was always for the greater good i guess yeah right Um, right and um obviously i don't want her with the darkling for obvious reasons (laughs) and (laughs) ben barnes hot but darkling bad you know (laughs) and even mal i was like eh he'll be fine you do you girly like i Mm -hmm. i love friends to lovers it's one of my favorite tropes ever and um i i despite wearing those friends to lovers goggles so tightly around my face i still was like eh she'd be okay on her own you know but mm-hmm. also at the same time like i am very glad with how it ended for them and yeah um, it made my little heart happy because as long as she's happy and yeah that's kind of all that matters so yeah true. also that tattoo was so dumb what tattoo i don't remember his i am become a blade oh my god don't even talk i forgot about that <laughs> i was listening Boy, to the audiobook this, is- this week and it got to that and i was like wait isn't isn't this the part with the tattoo and like it says i am become a blade and i was like this is so stupid that is such like, a boys will be boys example not like boys will be boys like the excuse that people use to excuse men's wrongs but like boys will be yeah. boys like guy does something silly like type of situations he's like i needed the reminder that at least i can be a weapon in your hand if i can't be with you whatever and i'm just oh like Get- over yourself too much too much so i'm honestly i'm honestly interested to see like how they might incorporate that into the show because i will say i think show mal is so much better Um, i do too they're doing right by him they make him yeah softer because i feel like even lee bardugo has said um like there are things she would have done differently now and i think like now that they have the show and because the show isn't like a direct adaption of the books because yeah. they're adding so much other stuff in. Um, right. It's a really good opportunity to give Mal a better story and a better, Agreed. honestly, even better written story yeah. at some points and doing things that um, can expand his character. Like I, 
I loved him. So like I had show Mal in my head when I was reading this book again because it was right. just the most fresh. And it's so easier. when Mal would do stuff, I'm like, he would not do that. Yeah, <laughs> even the- though this is the canon. It's funny because in the book he gives like big Cole Sprouse energy. But then yeah. in the show, he's, like, lovely. He's, like, very – he's, like, yeah. a lot softer. Like, you see you, – I think the casting, again, made, like, a huge yes. difference for me because I could, like, yeah. actually personify him in a way that's, like, comforting and nice. Mm-hmm. So, wow. <laughs> uh, Another random thing that happened was in the book, it's, like, and then his blue eyes were sparkling or whatever it said. And I was, like, he does not have blue eyes. Because <laughs> I'm just thinking of Archie <laughs> Renault no, in my head. I was, like – I was like, Lee, you got it wrong. <laughs> Lee, now? Book. He doesn't have blue Lee, eyes now. Babe, no. <laughs> when the show becomes the kid. <laughs> yeah. It's just because it's so, it's just more fresh in my head. It is. It is. Right it now, makes more sense. It's our fix-it Vic. It's our, yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't screw other things up. It's my yeah, don't. Pick. Caitlin, mm-hmm. on a scale of one to five times, uh, you said to yourself, I am Blade. <laughs> I am become In, a blade. <laughs> I am. What is it? I am become a blade. I am become a blade. Yeah. Edgy. Um, <laughs> how do you rate Ruin and Rising? Um, I give Ruin and Rising a solid four out of five. I, I I agree with you. I think this is my favorite in the trilogy. It's just a lot. Like a lot happens, but it's it just kind of like. It makes me fall in the fall in love with the world all over again, despite this being the third book in. It's just like I love learning more about it. Um, I feel like Lee's writing gets stronger and stronger with every book that she writes, mm-hmm. and I think you'll you see that with the next book that came out after this. Like I think from here, she just like it's like she she knows what she wants and she knows how to tell yeah. the story now. And you right. and you can just I like it when you can see it's like with like a singer. Like, you can hear their growth. Um, yes. Like, like if I listen to Florence and the Machine's Lungs, it's wonderful. Mm. But then I listen to Dance Fever, and then you can hear how much yeah. her voice has matured. That's how I felt like with Lee. Like, you can hear how much her voice matures within um, her writing. And, like, she just gets more comfortable with, like, her story building and how she's treating these characters and how she's writing them. And... I enjoy this book so much, but I cannot give it a five out of five because my f- five out of five is coming and I'm excited <laughs> to talk about True. it. True. <laughs> True. Factual. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. It is coming. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of the same here. Like things yeah. go crazy after this, as you will learn in our upcoming review of yeah. Six of Crows. Um, I'm so wow. excited. <laughs> uh, because that's like her magnum opus. And I think we're both really excited yeah. to talk about it in like, scream about it um so i'm gonna be reserving my fives for that moment but i do really like this book i think it's a really good conclusion to the trilogy thank you for listening to lit by moonlight coming up we're going to be as we just mentioned reviewing sifts of pros and we're also going to be reviewing the second season of shadow and bone when it releases later on 16th so stay tuned for that uh, we hope you've enjoyed our recap of the trilogy. If you haven't already, we did review Shadow and Bone and Siege and Storm, so you listen to them. Listen to that. Please do. Yeah. And then stay tuned for Six of Crows and yes. etc. We also, if you like shows, we also reviewed Our Flag Means Death recently. That's been yeah. great. Um, yeah. We did what we do in the shadows. Yeah. So please, yeah. we have a lot of content. Okay. And uh, way, so much more to come. So. Yes. We hope you join us and stick around. Bye. Bye.